This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. Just over 100 years ago, the Queensland and Northern Territory Aerial Services, or Qantas, was founded. This was Qantas. Just a few willing hands and a willing plane. It's a really peculiarly um, Australian story. It's, in fact, the third oldest airline in the world. Their initial service was they moved mail and people, flying doctors, all that kind of stuff around. Qantas crossed the land, then the oceans. We took Australia to the world, and the world took us to their hearts. Since then, according to senior business reporter Ben Butler, it's become one of Australia's most trusted airlines and one of its most recognisable symbols. That's right. It's the flying kangaroo. It's literally on the tail, right? I'll show you and all those ads are play into this sense of Australians returning home, that Qantas is your vital link to the world. The spirit of Australia. But recently, Qantas has become better known for slashing costs, lost baggage, and cancelled flights. These troubles have also landed the airline in the centre of a federal court case and an investigation by the consumer watchdog. So, what is the root of the chaos unfolding at Qantas? And can it bounce back to its former glory? Today, the decline of Qantas. It's Monday, the 19th of September. So, Ben, it does seem that Qantas has been mired in scandal for quite a while now. How would you describe their reputation at the moment and, you know, their functioning over the past two years? Their reputation is, it's really in the toilet. Ben Butler is senior business reporter at Guardian Australia. It's probably the lowest it's been in the airline's history in living memory. Mm. So Qantas is in hot water over cancelling flights, has left passengers stranded, losing their baggage, paying their executives a lot of money and outsourcing their staff. Mm. I'm keen to step through all that. But first, can you tell me a little bit about Alan Joyce, the current CEO of Qantas? He is, I think, one of Australian corporate life's most forceful characters. Hello, I'm Alan Joyce, and I'm the CEO of Qantas. I am proud to be announcing our plans to build a stronger Qantas, a Qantas that will be better for our customers. Since 1920... He's from Ireland. Joyce became chief executive of Qantas in 2008 after being there for about five years with a mandate, I think, from the board to really shake up the company, and that's something he's certainly done. They've become the dominant player in the Australian aviation market. They control about 60% of domestic air travel. And we will always be proud that the vast majority of our operations are based in Australia, and we will always call Australia home. So, Ben, when did the trouble start for Qantas? So the first really big blow to its reputation was when Joyce grounded the entire fleet, domestic planes, international planes, in 2011, when the company was having a a pretty big ding-dong with the unions. Mm. Sort of negotiations been going on for a long time and really weren't going anywhere. 
So he grounded the fleet and it stranded tens of thousands of passengers wherever they were. The planes just stopped, literally just like that. So that was a, a huge call and he defended it strenuously at the time, saying this is entirely necessary because he just couldn't work with these unions giving him a hard time and making the airline profitable and productive impossible. He sort of went on from there to consistently cut costs and fight again and again and again with the unions as he tried to sort of stem the airline's losses, right? And that further damaged the company's reputation and his. You know, there was some quite critical coverage around 2014 of Qantas under Joyce. But that was all kind of forgotten in the public sphere, at least, in 2015 when the, the airline swung back into profit. But the fight with the unions actually never stopped. It's really something that's sort of been a, a key theme of his time as chief executive. Interesting. So Qantas was dealing with issues around cost-cutting and union disputes for a decade, really. But when the pandemic hit, that was a whole new challenge. What did they do when the borders shut? The government closed the borders, right? Domestic travel disappeared. This is was an existential crisis for airlines around the world. You know, in Australia, Qantas's main competitor, Virgin, went into administration. You know, it was touch and go whether it would come back out again. Mm. You know, that's that's what happened. It was really, really tough. Like there was no money and you're still paying every day just to keep planes on the tarmac or in the hangar or even in storage out in the desert or whatever. Costs keep happening, right? You keep burning cash mm. and you've got nothing coming in the door. So what Qantas did was it immediately stood down without pay more than half of the then 30,000 people that it employed. And then a few months after the borders closed, sacked 6,000 people, kept the staff, stood down. In the end, the company made about 10,000 people redundant through the length of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, And it outsourced a bunch of its work that had been done by people who were on staff to other companies. Outsourced work to cheaper companies. Who did they outsource to, Ben? The one that really... I think it's really relevant here is is they outsourced around 2,000 baggage handlers to Swissport, which is, uh, you know, a firm that specialises in doing this at airports in Australia. The problem has been that Swissport has not been able to do the job. They've said so themselves. They lack staff. They, they've had to get labour hire firms in to get staff for them. So you've got like a chain of outsourcing here that's sort of cascading down. Right. Qantas has defended this. They said that their decision to outsource to cheaper companies was really just necessary for them to survive as a business. They had to find about $100 million worth of savings from staff costs a year and were really at risk of going bankrupt. What do you make of that argument? So it is true that outsourcing would have and did save them a lot of money in a time where they were in um, dire financial straits. But there's also some evidence from a ruling in the federal court that Qantas uh, laid off and outsourced the jobs of some of these people because they were union members and that this was something they did deliberately. Mm. Tell me about that. What evidence do we have that this was about the unionising of this workforce? So last year, the Transport Workers Union, or TWU, 
took Qantas to court over the outsourcing and said, well, you haven't done this properly and it's not really about your needs as a business. And the federal court said, yes, there's something to that, ruled that Qantas was in part driven by the fact that a lot of the workers were in the union and had stronger bargaining capacity than non-union members. The judge, Michael Lee, is a very very experienced lawyer, said it was difficult to establish the exact motivations of the outsourcing decision, but he wasn't convinced that it wasn't about in some way trying to limit workers from taking industrial action. And and the court found that this was illegal. Mm. Qantas rejected this and has appealed this decision. They went to the, the full court of the federal court. They lost earlier this year. And if that position is upheld by the high court, they'll have to pay compensation to about 1,700 sacked ground handlers for years of lost work. It's not clear how much that will be, but it won't be cheap. Mm. Do we know what impact this had on some of these workers losing their job in a pandemic and having that job outsourced to other people? The TWU did a survey of workers who'd lost their jobs and they, they said there are several different outcomes. You know, some people ended up back at the airline, but on poorer conditions. Three quarters of the workers they surveyed hadn't been able to get a full-time job since being let go. One worker who was a ramp worker for 24 years said that, you know, while he was at Qantas, he got COVID working at Adelaide Airport. And since being let go, he hasn't been able to find, struggled to find new work because he's got long-term COVID health issues and he's had to sell his family home. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty devastating when you've got people who have been on uh, reasonable paying conditions then having that cut away from them all of a sudden. So, Ben, as state and international borders opened up over the past year, Qantas really just did not seem prepared for the demand. And I think you could kind of group the complaints that have come out into two categories. There are those from the customers and those that have come from inside the company that you've been reporting on. Can you talk me through those those two categories, starting with the, the customers? From a customer point of view, the main complaints have been late flights, cancelled flights and baggage just going AWOL. Earlier this month, uh, we reported 4,000 Jetstar passengers were stranded or forced to cancel trips. Back in June, Qantas had to apologise after leaving hundreds of people stranded at Dallas Airport for 24 hours, um, left to sleep on the floor, which, you know, planes get delayed. It happens. But they are supposed to put you up in a hotel if you're going to sit there for 24 hours. Mm. So as a result of um, the number of complaints from customers about late or cancelled flights, the consumer watchdog is investigating Qantas. Mm. We don't have really any detail about the exact contours of this investigation. They, they just wouldn't tell us. But, you know, it is reflective of a broader problem in the aviation industry. Mm. So earlier this month, the Australian Competition Consumer Commission said that, you know, on-time flights are at the lowest level ever recorded. Mm. And at the same time, ACCC is also investigating Qantas over the way they treat credits, flight credits and refunds for flights that were cancelled, mostly during the pandemic. Mm. And what have we heard from inside the company? There have been a few reports from staff about what's going on inside as well. Yeah, so I think the way to look at this is to, because of the way 
Alan Joyce has been able to successfully sort of carve off elements of his workforce and really reduce the amount of people who are directly re- employed by Qantas over the years, right, quite dramatically. The complaints we've seen come from they come from inside the Qantas supply chain, but not for people who work directly for Qantas because they got outsourced to Swissport, so baggage handlers, basically. The TWU recently released to us and other media organisations you know, a series of internal Swiss port safety memos that talk about issues like people getting injured while loading flights, staircase rolling away from a plane while the cabin door was open. Mm-hmm. Luckily, no one was injured, but that's a very dangerous situation because you could fall out of the plane door onto the tarmac, which could kill you. Baggage containers getting damaged because things weren't loaded correctly and firearms getting left unattended on the public uh, carousel guns going around and around and around. How do guns end up on the carousel? Where where are they supposed to go? Guns um, are supposed to go to the baggage office. Uh, And there's all sorts of procedures that are supposed to make sure that happened. So, Ben, why were they so unprepared for the resumption of flights, both in the domestic and international market? I mean, did they just underestimate how many people would want to be flying? It's really quite unclear. What we can say is that they didn't have enough skilled staff on hand to service the flights that they put on, right? Like, while we don't exactly know why, it is clear that the airline cut too heavily and, as a result, you know, they have been hiring. Now what we're doing in the recruitment is two factors. One, we are recruiting back for those 380s that are coming back. Some of them won't be back until the end of 23 into 24. That's a long time. So Alan Joyce spoke about this when he sort of, when they unveiled the company's results in August. And we're also having to recruit because of high attrition. So people, when we called people back that we didn't make redundant, we, what we found is a large people had gone on and found other jobs. He said, we've hired one and a half thousand people since April. We're trying to hire people back. We're trying to get back people we laid off. We're laid off. Mm. Trying to get back other people, but you know, it's difficult because some of these people have new jobs. That's fair, because people weren't going to sit around and just wait for the aviation industry to come back. So we had to recruit for those people that that had made other decisions. At the same time. All of the previous rounds of cuts that Qantas made occurred in a very different labour market to the one we've suddenly entered into after the pandemic. You know, you could basically cut and hire people over the past 10 years without worrying too much about whether you'd be able to find people. There was plenty of labour available, Mm. right? Suddenly, post-pandemic, we have a very much tighter labour market. The issues that we've had is because there's been a spike in COVID, uh, that I don't think anybody was predicting over the last few months. Sick leave more, went, in some cases, more than double, and on average 50%. So we've had 320 pilots each day in isolation or, or calling in sick. You know, COVID has not left us. We've still got a lot of people who are off sick a lot of the time. And so you just need more people as well to cover those absences. But what we've done now to protect for that is we've taken flying down so we have a lot more reserves, a lot more coverage uh, to, to take account of that going forward. You couldn't have planned that, I think, six months ago when we put the schedule in place. Nobody was thinking there would be this level of a spike. There was, and we've adapted and changed to cope with that.
Next, is Qantas learning from their mistakes? And can the airline bounce back? Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks. So Ben, before the break, we discussed how Qantas got to where they are, one of the lowest points in the company's history. Has there been any consequences for this, especially in terms of the pay awarded to top Qantas executives like Alan Joyce? While the fleet was grounded, while the pandemic was at its height, you know, while it was essentially not operating as an airline, he really did take a massive pay cut, about I think 80% less than we normally would. Mm. But what's happened since then is this year, he's now back on the amount he was prior to the pandemic. So as a result of that, his pay went up about $287,000 this year from about $5.2 million in 2021 to about $5.6 million a year. That's, that's his total, the total value of his pay packet. $5.6 million is just an incredible amount of money, especially for an airline that's making bad headlines every couple of weeks. It's not the most he's ever made. He made $25 million one year. So, you know. (laughs) How does the company justify a pay packet like that? The company says, well, look, firstly, look, he took that pay freeze. He didn't take a bonus for two years, you know, most of two years. He's sacrificed considerably while working very hard to keep the airline from becoming a bunch of planes rusting in the desert and a memory. And so he deserves to get paid for his work. And we're flying again and he need, the airline needs to be built up again and there's lots of work to be done. We need to motivate and remunerate our executives to do that. Mm-hmm. The second thing they have complained to me about is the use of the $5.6 million figure. And that's because that figure is a, includes all the value of like share options that he's entitled to now or might become entitled to in the future over his, the course of his um, contract. And they say, well, look, you know, on a take-home basis, what he actually put in his pocket this year, it was just $2.27 million. Mm. How does that compare to CEOs of big companies? Is that a lot? By Australian standards, it's kind of mid-ranking, but Australian chief executive salaries are some of the highest in the world, so make of that what you Mm. will. You know, Qantas would also point out that he doesn't get a bonus this year. The scheme is still suspended and doesn't come back until next year, right? At the same time, they have quietly recognised this quiet over the way Joyce has been remunerated over the distance because they've changed the way how they'll judge whether to give those bonuses. So... They're going to include more 
in that sort of list of factors that you the board's supposed to consider when deciding whether to give you know a big bonus or a small bonus, how was customer service? Did the planes fly on time? You know, did the baggage get there? How the customers feel about it? And what does the airline's reputation look like? Adding to this disquiet overpay is just the sheer amount of money that Qantas has received from the government during the pandemic. Can you talk me through that, Ben? Qantas uh, received a lot of government support over the past two years. Um, They're on track to receive about $2 billion by the end of 2021 through JobKeeper and some other aviation-specific programs. And that's a lot more than uh, Qantas's smaller competitor, Virgin Australia, got. So, Ben, clearly Qantas isn't the only airline that has struggled in this time to respond to the pandemic and to resume flights once, you know, international flights opened up again. Alan Joyce has argued they haven't done worse than other airlines and that a lot of the backlash that we're hearing right now is because people just have high expectations of them because they are Qantas. What do you say to that? I'd say that that's not completely incorrect. In in Mm. large part, that's right. But I'm just not sure that that helps you. Surely you should be wanting to preserve that, you know, extraordinary affection that the Australian people have held for Qantas over the years. The second thing is that Qantas is also supposed to be a full-service airline, right? So if you get shafted by a budget carrier, you're like, well, I didn't pay much for the ticket. But Qantas charges a premium and it's supposed to deliver a premium of service. Mm. Yes, that's an expectation problem, but isn't that an expectation that you want people to have when you're Qantas? Right, but given enough time and recruitment of staff, can Qantas fix this, this gap between expectation and reality? Do you think that we'll see by the end of the year even Qantas returning to this state where they're a well-functioning airline with a good reputation? I think it'll probably take a bit longer than that. That's what the ACCC certainly expects, that problems at Qantas and across the industry will persist well into the next year because, you know, it's hard to hire. And if you've cut a lot, you're behind, right? Mm. So not immediately, but of course, eventually any company can be turned around. Even if Qantas does fix their service, will the customers come back or has some of the damage been done already? I think some of the damage has been done, but Qantas is insulated to a certain extent by the fact that it does dominate the Australian market. But I think internationally it's a different story because you do have a quite wide choice of carriers and, you know, the level of anxiety you have about travelling internationally and getting marooned somewhere is a lot higher than if you're going to be stuck in Sydney for a day. So that kind of damage to the international business is something I think the airline's going to have to be dealing with for a few years to come. That was Ben Butler, Senior Business Reporter at Guardian Australia. If you want to learn more about Qantas, we've linked to some of the key reporting on this issue on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Jordan Beasley and Karishma Luthria. Sound design and mixing by Joe Koning. The executive producers of Full Story are Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie, Miles Martignoni and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, catch you tomorrow.